Hi, this is Al Jensen, and welcome to Seniors. I'm so sorry that I haven't kept up with some of this. We've had some interesting health situations in uh, in our family and have required me to kind of uh, step aside for a while and uh, focus on those. But I think we've kind of got them under control, and we can get back to uh, Come Follow Me, as well as Scouting for the Mormons on the Great Frontier, as well as... Um, some other interesting tidbits and things that I've picked up along the way that uh, I think would be of interest to you. First thing, let me talk a little bit about seniors, and this is designed for seniors, I being a senior. We're going to talk about stories and things that maybe reflect our lifestyle a little bit. Sometimes uh, things that um, we're not aware of, or sometimes the things that we can uh, overcome. Or just in general, you know, make life a little bit more pleasurable. I know sometimes how tough it can be when our loved ones have gone and they've moved on to in other directions. And often they don't come to visit us and things get kind of lonely at times. And wow, believe me, I can understand that. But today we're going to take 15 minutes and we're going to talk about uh, Come Follow Me, uh, Matthew 8, Mark 2 through 4 and Luke 7. And this section is uh, pretty interesting. It's about um, the Savior and healing and healing the sick. And um, a woman with a fever, a uh, widow's son who had died, um, the lady with an issue of blood. The, you know, it goes on and on and on. And it was all based upon people's faith and the faith that they had. And, for example, when the Lord heals the leper... He basically does that in front of, of a, a group of people. I mean, people are there watching, and and the leper instantly heals in front of him. And, and I think the Savior at that time is trying to say, see, see, upon this person's great faith and his ability to come forth, he can be healed. I have the power to do that. Century and servant, who says to the Lord, you know, I'm, I'm not even a Jew. I'm a Roman. I have the power to command legions to do whatever they want to do, but unfortunately, I don't have the power to, to, um, to heal. And would you please heal my daughter who is who is sick with an affliction and afraid she's going to die? Uh, Peter's mother-in-law, where Peter approaches the Savior and says, you know, my mother-in-law, can you come and heal her? Can you come and bring her back? And certainly the Lord goes in there and through the faith and prayers of many, he performs that miracle. A man sick with palsy, a man with a withered hand, the son of the widow of Nain. And the list goes off on and on and on. Well, we ask ourselves the question, why did the Lord perform miracles? You know, I often ask myself the question, does, does miracles convert? Is it, is it that he did it so people could see this miracle, and then all of a sudden they would go back and say, oh, I'm a believer, you know, I, wow, look, and tell others, you know, hey, look, the Lord healed this man who had a withered hand or this person who was, uh, you know, was leprous. I don't think so. I think the Lord performed miracles to give people an opportunity to exercise their faith and to show people that it's not necessarily Christ that is healing the person. It is the person's faith that is healing the person, and Christ is just a vehicle to help strengthen and develop that faith. And I think that's the case in most miracles, that if you look at how people are healed today. I had a brother who was in a horrible motorcycle accident, and uh, half of his body was paralyzed. And I recall him laying on a bed, an ice bed, because he was swelling up so bad, and his mission present came in, and there he didn't have any movement in his arms, his hands, his legs. I mean, he was basically, you know, 
going to be a vegetable. And his mission president came up and told him, Elder Jensen, thumbs up. And by some miracle, that took place, and he raised his thumb up on the bed. Well, who did that? Well, my brother did that. My brother raised his hand. My brother heard the voice of his mission president. And there, through his faith and ability, raised his hand to show all of us that he was willing to um, come back into the uh, come back into the fold of Christ. So, did Jesus come to condemn people? Did he come to the scribes and Pharisees and tell them that they're hypocrites? That you know, and it wasn't all Pharisees are bad. I mean, there were Pharisees that good. In fact, some Pharisees come up and told him to to get out of the city as fast as he could because Herod was after him. And uh, so they, they helped him escape. So Jesus would look on everyone, regardless of their station in life, with love and concern. It was only they who rejected the Savior, not the Savior rejecting him. Even though he called them hypocrites, and even though he called them evil and bad, they in themselves uh, earned that that label behind the scenes if anyone came into the christ and asked for his help asked for his forgiveness the savior was always there with a healing hand with uh, with a blessing with a uh, act of kindness or forgiveness how do we feel today do we feel sometimes like a scribe and a pharisee sometimes as we look back in our latter years we regret some of the things that we have done do we look back and say oh my gosh uh, you know look at my children some are good some are not so hot some are not i mean we can look back with remorse and regret of so many things but you know that's life and life has both good and bad but i think what the savior tells us is he says regardless of what's happened in the past you can be renewed you can come back to me you can take my hand and I'll be there for you as you renew the covenants of the, of the sacrament. It's as if you were rebaptized again. And thereby, all of these things in the past can be erased and you can move forward and you can inherit the kingdom of God. Wow, what a beautiful message that he has for people who have come to him in great need and desire to, uh, to want to have a change in the gospel in their life. I recall the instance of the woman who was uh, in adultery, and uh, the scribes and Pharisees and other Jews were there to condemn her. She was actually caught in the act, and one of the one of the Jews brought him forward and stood her before the Savior. Well, the crowd waited for the for the verdict as to what the Savior was going to say uh, as to her sins. And certainly they all expected that he would come back and condemn her and chastise her because she was doing these evil deeds. But what did the Savior do? He went down with his finger in the sand and then said, All ye that are without sin, let him cast the first stone. And in other words, all ye out there that are looking and listening are sinners. And to what degree of sin, we don't know. But you're sinners. And unless you come forth and confess before the Lord the things that you have done, you cannot be forgiven. But if you come forth like this lady, with faith and understanding, and weeping at the Savior's feet, in all humility, the Savior will bow down and tell her, as he did, go forth and sin no more. How many times have you been in a situation where you felt like the world was ending, <laughs> and that your sins were burdening you down, and figuratively you were kind of caught in the middle of all this darkness, with the feeling that the Savior, nobody would forgive me. The end is the end is for me. Uh, I've been there. Okay, I uh, I've I've been to situations where nothing seemed to matter. The Savior stretches forth His hand at all times and is there for us 
encouraging us to come back into him. Now, he doesn't come and grab us. He doesn't come and physically throw us down on the ground and say, get on your knees and repent. He didn't to the lady who was in sin. She came to him. The man with the palsy came to him. The woman with the issue of blood came to him. And there are very few situations where they came to him unless they were dying or dead and couldn't do that. The Savior expected them to exercise faith so that they could show unto the Savior that they wanted to be healed, that they wanted to come back, that they wanted to feel his presence. Well, how does that play out today? Supposing you've got an affliction or supposing you've got someone who has an affliction, and it may be a terminal affliction. It might be a malignant cancer or something of that nature. And so you call upon the elders to give you a blessing and or your family or your father, whoever, and they approach you and maybe be in the hospital room or home or whatever, and you have all the faith in the world that, that what they're going to say is going to heal you and bring you back. And so they pronounce upon your head a blessing, and in that blessing, it might be mentioned that you will receive the healing hand of our Father in heaven and be restored to normal health and strength, and that through your faith, you will recognize these things. Well, then, after the blessing, certainly there is an miraculous healing. Kind of go away from it and just thank everybody for the wonderful blessing, but as everybody's gone and you have time to sit there and contemplate exactly what happened, you think, okay, Lord, now's the time. Bring it down. I'm ready. I'm ready for your blessing, as mentioned in the blessing that uh, the, that the elders gave me, or my father gave me, or whoever. It doesn't take place. Nothing changes. You're the same. And you think, oh, wait a minute. Didn't I go forth in great faith, exercising everything I knew, righteously partaking of the sacrament? being a good member of the church by doing my by keeping the commandments and serving others and i'm not i'm not being healed well i think all of us at a time one time or another have been in that similar situation where we have wondered hmm the lord neglecting us is there a reason why i'm not healed can't we expect a miraculous healing like jesus did or other members of the church i know my great grandfather ephraim hanks Brought people back from the dead, for crying out loud. Hey, can't we do something like that? Well, I think it's hard for us, and I know for me, to read the mind and the will of the Lord. For there might be reasons why you have an affliction. Not necessarily for you, but maybe for others who need that opportunity or need the time to help you and serve you and be with you. Not to say you have to be afflicted to do that, but sometimes that's the only thing that would encourage that. Or maybe your time is not yet. Maybe there's more things that we need to learn. You know, for I could talk to a person who has uh, an intense amount of pain, and my wife can sit down and talk to that person, and she can relate to that person so well and be able to understand so well because she has been through years and years and years and years of pain. And without that, she wouldn't have the empathy that she would have. She wouldn't have the concern. She wouldn't, that person wouldn't feel the love. But with my wife's affliction, she was, able to, she was able to minister to others with similar afflictions who are crying out for help, who are asking for some kind of relief. And maybe the relief is not necessarily physical. It may be verbal. It may be spiritual. But there is some relief. And so miracles today, I think, happen in a lot of different ways. Not necessarily in the ways that we think. 
but in ways that the Christ would have us. So today I was thumbing through Fox News. <laughs> and some of you go to Fox, some of you go to Disney, some of you go, all of us probably have a chance to look at the news. And as you scroll through it, you can see that there's some pretty traumatic things going on. Seems as though our government's having a struggling time right now, maintaining some form of integrity and organization. Seems as though there's many people that are gearing up to become candidates and new presidents of the United States. Seems as though there's third world countries that say they want to destroy America and will unite together under every means that they possibly can to do that. Seems to be that there's a lot of snow and water in the mountains that are going to come down and flood us and I could go on with 10 or 15 more things. Earthquakes, pestilence, winds, yada, yada, yada. They go on. It's very similar to the way that the apostles were when they were at the storm, when the Savior was in the boat and they were at sea and the waves were coming against the boat. It must have been some pretty intense waves because the Savior, um, or the apostles said, we just about went under. And I don't know how the Savior did it, but he must have been pretty tired, but he was asleep. The apostle said, hey, <laughs> Jesus, we have a problem here. And uh, he woke him up, and, she, and he says, if you don't intervene, we're probably going to go under. And Jesus, you know, woke up slowly. I'm sure he didn't just jump up to the attention, but he woke up and looked, and he goes, oh, sure enough, the boat is rocking. It may be pretty bad. Certainly don't want to go under. But he said, oh, you little faith. I mean, honestly, John, Peter, all you guys, one of you could have you could have done this. You could have fixed it. No problem. Jesus then calmed the waters. Why did he do that? And how did he bring peace to the storms? By calling upon the powers of heaven to do that. And can he do that today to us? We might be like one of the apostles. And they're calling upon the Savior. Help me, help me, I... I don't know if I can make it. The storms are coming in all over me. The world's crashing in on me. The, we're going to have flooding. Uh, China's going to come in and everybody's going to have it. We're going to have a problem with world wars all over the place. What can I do? Woe be unto me. And the Savior comes up and says, Peace. Be still. In other words, peace. Don't let your heart fear. Don't run away. Hold on to me. I am the rock. I am the salvation. I will take you through anything. The roughest storm, the worst winds, the worst explosions, the worst anything you want, as long as your hand's in my hand, we'll make it. And so the challenge to all of us today is to put your hand in the Savior's hand. And as a senior, sometimes that might be a little difficult. It might not be opportunities like we'd like to go out and serve as we did when we were younger. You know, maybe some of us served as Sunday school teachers or bishops or we were a Relief Society person. We had the ability to get up, walk around, talk to people, shake hands. Now we don't have that. Some of us do, some of us don't. But even in, in you know, we might be in a center where that's just not, that makes any sense to us. Or we might be at home where, you know, we need a ride to go somewhere. But what do you do? One of the things I found with my wife, which is interesting because she has been confined to home for a while since her terrible accident, is to get on the phone and make a call or send a text. And it could be a call of comfort. It could be a text of comfort, a text of I love you, I care about you, a letter, some kind thought. And she didn't have to get up. She didn't have to move about. She didn't have to hop in her car to go anywhere. She just had to raise her phone and dial a number. 
And maybe that's one thing you can do this week or next week or whenever. Think about someone you love or may not necessarily think about someone that you don't love but might not necessarily be on the top 10 on your love list. And maybe write them a note. Maybe call them on the phone. Maybe set up a phone friendship. Maybe set up some kind of a communication where you can do this through electronic means. And I promise you, as you find these connections and these associations, that you will feel comfort and peace and happiness. And include discussions of the Lord in, in, in your communications. Whether religious or non-religious, the Lord trumps all. For he is a lover of all mankind, so you can include him in any situation. And I promise you that as you do this and as you feel so inclined to reach out, that you will feel peace within yourself and you will feel the Savior's love in your behalf. I want to share these things with you, hoping that you have a good week, a couple of weeks. I'll be thinking about you. Uh, I pray for you always and hope that you will uh, feel peace. And I say this in Jesus' name, amen.